Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message is the Old Testament lesson read earlier. Uh, when we lived in Minnesota, we lived about 25 minutes away from this town in which you do your errands and your shopping and everything. And they had a Hardee's there, which was great because they sold these 25-cent children's ice cream cones. And so one day I had some errands to run. I had both girls with me, and I told them, you know, after we're done with all the running and the shopping, you guys get ice cream cones. And they were like, okay, they were excited about that. And so I did my errands, I stopped the store, and I got back, and so then I started to head home. Now again, it's about 25 minutes away. We just about getting back in the sea line, just about home, and then Sarah goes, when are we getting our ice cream? <laughs> Kids remember the promises that you make, right? They're going to hold you to them. And we're not always great about keeping those promises. But I bring this up because our Lord makes promises. And he keeps everyone. But even though he keeps his promises, God's people still struggle with believing the promises and not doubting the promises. And that's really what we see in the Old Testament lesson for today. And so I thought what we would do is talk about the promises of God and how we are encouraged to believe and to not doubt. So there's an insert in the bulletin that gives you kind of an outline for, for what we're going to do. We're going to look at the Old Testament promise that was given. But we're also going to look at three promises God gives us in the New Testament. And then we're going to go over the Old Testament and how it reminds us that, that we shouldn't doubt because of our God. But, but to understand all of this, we, we do have to do a little bit of context here for Isaiah. Keep in mind, Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament. His, his ministry spanned several decades. He saw the fall of the northern kingdom after it rebelled against God and God brought judgment. But mainly he's focused on the southern kingdom. And the southern kingdom was going the way of the northern kingdom. The people in Jerusalem and Judah were rebelling against God, turning to other gods, and God announced through Isaiah that they were going to be taken away into captivity. It's a strong law message that you find in Isaiah. But you also find in Isaiah a beautiful gospel message that God is going to restore. So that's also the message that he brought. And so if you look on the outline, you'll see the promise that God has that he's going to restore Judah. This is a, a couple of verses before our Old Testament lesson starts from Isaiah 40, verse 11. He will tend the flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in the bosom and gently lead those that are with young. It's a promise of God that in their captivity, God will still be their shepherd and he's going to bring them home. He's going to gather them together and bring them home. It's a wonderful promise. But God also knows that the people of God are going to struggle with this promise. They're going to doubt this promise. Because in captivity, they're going to be under the thumb and under the rule of Babylon. And they would begin to question, who's really in charge? They would look around, there's no one to lead them home. And so they wonder, how, how could they ever be brought home? And so in the middle of our text today, we have verse 27 that says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. God hears from Israel, the people of God, saying, their way is hidden from the Lord. He's forgotten about them. Their right has been disregarded by God. They're going to look and see that they don't see God at work and wonder, is God going to keep his promise? And so there we have a promise of God, and then... 
we have the people struggling with that promise. Now, if you flip it over on the back side of your outline, you'll see three promises that God gives us. These are promises that you find in the New Testament that God is giving you. There is a promise to rule. That's in Romans 8, 28. We're good out of every situation. There's a promise to be faithful. Philippians 1, verse 6. That, that he's going to bring, complete the good work that he's begun. There's a promise to lift you up. He will supply your need. Those are the promises that God has given you. Do you ever struggle with those promises? Do you ever wonder about God? Is he really ruling? Is he really in charge? Do you ever struggle about the faithfulness of God? Is he doing what he has promised? Are things happening the way that, that we want and we expect? Do you ever wonder where God is to lift you up? Because you're weary and you're worn out. Well, our Lord has an answer for you. And that's in the right-hand column. The words from Isaiah are a word to you that he keeps his promises. You don't need to doubt God keeps his promises to rule. That was his promise to the people of the Old Testament. And he's telling the people that are taken away into captivity that he will keep his promises. There, there's no reason to doubt because God is in charge. God is all-powerful. And that's what he says in verse 22. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Isaiah's image is, is just beautiful, isn't it? That he sits over the world looking down the, the God who is above all and in all and, and, and above all, who created all. Is he not the one who rules over all? Is he not able to do what he says he's going to do? Verse 23, who brings princes to nothing and makes rulers of the earth as emptiness. I mean, think about what people think is powerful and beyond control. It's governments, it's, it's, it's strength, it's wealth, all those things. And what does God say? He brings princes to nothing. He puts earth, rulers, of the, rulers of the earth to emptiness. He's in charge. He's in control. If God says they're going to be taken away in captivity, are they not? If he says he's going to bring them back, does he not have the power? If he's in charge over all the governments, is his power is above that? Can he not keep his word? And then the imagery that he uses of the stars in verse 26 Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? Who brings out their hosts by number, calling them by name, by the greatness of the might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Any doubt about the glory and the power of God is stand out on an evening that's clear. Don't have too many of those right now. But on a clear evening, look at the stars. Who put them there? Who numbered them? Who named them? Who, who's in charge of them? It's the Lord. Does he not have the power to deliver his promises? Why would we doubt? And so when our Lord comes to you through Paul and says to you that we know that in all things God works for good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes, why would we doubt? He has the power to be in control. He, he has the power um, to, to rule, to be faithful. He, he will do it. He's in charge of all situations. Think about the life of Christ, how this is illustrated, right? Think about the birth of our Savior. The empire-wide census brought Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem to fulfill prophecy. Is that not a demonstration of the power of God over authorities and earthly authorities? As you look at the ministry of Christ, 
Is it not our Lord who's in charge over the religious leaders, the political leaders, the secular leaders, even the disciples? Is he not in charge? Can he not govern over them? And, and so this is what we see that our Lord has done. He is in control. He's in control all the way to the cross where he himself lays down his life for everyone. And he's the one that takes it back up. And we think about the cross and the tomb. Is this not the perfect illustration of God bringing good out of every situation to those that love him? Is there anything worse than the death of the Son of God? There's nothing in human history worse than that, is there? And at the same time, out of that came what? Salvation of the world. Is there anything better than the salvation of God of souls? Out of the absolute worst comes the absolute greatest event. And if that is true, can he not govern your circumstances well enough to bring good out of what you are going through? Why would we doubt? The doubt comes because we don't always see it. We may not always see it. And we lose sight of what is good. But God has the power. And the good that he's bringing about is salvation, your salvation, the salvation of your friends, of your neighbors, of this world. And again, you may not see it. You may not recognize it. But isn't this where our faith comes in? That, that even when I don't necessarily see what the good God is working, I can trust that indeed he is there doing it. Because that's his promise. He has the power to do it. And he always keeps his word. The, the second promise, the promise to be faithful. God promises to be faithful. There's no reason to doubt God's promises because he is faithful. And again, we look at from Isaiah, today's text, verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He doesn't desert you. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get tired of guarding his people. He doesn't get tired of leading his people. He doesn't get tired of giving his promises to his people. He doesn't get weary. This is so foreign to us because we get rather tired rather quickly. But the Lord doesn't. He's never tired of hearing you. He's never tired of looking after you. He's never tired of, of, of providing for you. That's why God can tell us through Paul in Philippians 1 verse 6, and I am sure of this, that he who began this good work in you will bring it to completion the day of Jesus Christ. God is faithful to you. He will complete the task. He's the one who called you. He's the one who, who began a good work within you by the power of his word through the waters of baptism and he gives you faith. He has died for you. He has connected you to that promise. Will he not now continue to do that? Will he somehow get tired? Will he somehow forget you? I think part of this is we don't always finish everything. Walk through your basements or your study or other places. How many unfinished projects do you see? How many do we have? The Lord has no unfinished products, projects. He completes every last one of them. And his promise to you is that he will do it also for you. He who began that good work within you will be faithful to you to the very end. 
he will follow through. There's no reason to doubt because God is faithful beyond our imagination, beyond our conceiving. And then one more promise. God promises to lift up. And as I started the service today, I think this is beautiful the way that, that Isaiah speaks of this. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. God will lift his people up. But in order to do that, what, does he must, what must he do? He must intervene. He must say action. He must step into history and act on behalf of his people to do this. But this is what God always does. God has always been a God who intervenes. God is the one who intervened into history and sent the flood. He intervened into history to call Abraham. He intervened into history to bring Israel out of their slavery in Egypt and to put them in the promised land. You go on and on and on, reading through the Old Testament and seeing God time and time again intervening to lift up. To give hope, to give strength, to keep his promises, to keep his word. He, he never grows exhausted. He, he never tires. He steps in, he serves, and he lifts up. And that's his promise to you, as expressed by Paul to the Philippians. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of the glory in Christ Jesus. Notice how Paul words this. All of your needs. Every last one of them. God promises to lift you up, supplying all your needs. But notice where it comes through. Through the glory of the riches of Christ Jesus. Through Christ, all of your needs are going to be met. God intervenes into your life. He intervened into history on your behalf in the cross and the tomb. He has intervened into your life in baptism and the word. He's intervening today. The Lord is coming into your life today and announcing to you that you are loved and forgiven. He's intervening into your life today and offering himself through his body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins and the promise of eternal life. The Lord intervenes. And he will continue to do that. Throughout your life, he will be there giving you what you need. Not always what you want, but always what you need. His peace, his strength, his forgiveness, his joy... And in so doing, he lifts you up. He gives you peace. He brings you comfort. He brings you joy. This is what the Lord does. I mentioned at the beginning that Sarah called me out on my promise. You always got to keep your promises, right? But, but I find that interesting as I was thinking about that. Children are really good at reminding you of their promises. They may forget to clean their room. They may forget to make their bed. They will not forget if you promise them something. And they will call you out on it. But why? Because they believe what you say. They believe that you will do it. Isn't that the picture with our Heavenly Father? That, that, that really, if you think about our prayer life, it is calling upon God to keep his promises. And the Lord rejoices as you do that. Because it is a demonstration of your faith trusting in that promise. When we call upon God to keep his word, we are demonstrating that we believe his promises and that he will fulfill. And that's part of the process by which God does. He, he continues to strengthen us in our faith, to trust in him. We go to him and know that he loves us, and he keeps his word. He keeps his word so that he can keep us as his people now and forever. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which 
that surpasses all human understanding. Guide our hearts and minds to true faith, life everlasting. 